0: Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The greatest treasure of heaven. That is what I want to minister this morning. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasures on the earth and treasures in heaven. There's a huge difference. What are treasures on the earth? Yesterday, I mean, a couple of days back, Avi was telling me that in Agri Expo, just outside the game, a piece of land. I think 40 by 70. 35 by 40. 35 feet by 40 feet, 90 lakh rupees. And somebody just bought it immediately. It is not even in the middle of the town. It is six miles away from Dimapur city. And yet 45 by 35 feet, somebody just bought that piece of land. Why? See, Somebody was willing to pay so much for it because for him, it is a treasure. It is something that he expects will be able to be developed into a commercial property and then gain income in the future and also pass down to his generations. What are treasures on the earth? Treasures on the earth are things that you value so much that you're willing to pay the price for it, a high price for it. Sometimes it is money. Sometimes it is your time, like for example, education. You're willing to pay years to get a doctorate. Sometimes it is your physical energy. In order to get something that you think is valuable. And usually it is either money, degrees, or jewelry, precious things, land. Those are what are considered treasures on the earth. What are treasures in heaven? The answer is in the question. What is heaven willing to pay the price for? What is heaven willing to pay for in order to receive up in heaven? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave, that He sacrificed, that He gave up His Son in order to buy us. That whoever believes will not perish but go to heaven. The greatest treasure for the heavenly father is souls. Not houses and lands and cars. In First Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. The Bible says God desires all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. See that's the treasure of heaven. Men and women to be saved. The treasure of heaven is souls. The desire of the Father. See, people are willing to pay 90 lakhs, one crore for a piece of land because that's the desire of the heart. The desire of the Father's heart is souls so much that He's willing to sacrifice His own Son for us. Not only that, in John chapter 10 verse 18 we see that Jesus was willing to lay down his own life. So first the father, second the son. Jesus is willing to lay down his own life. He says, no man has the power to take my life. God is not forcing me. I'm not being forced by anyone. I lay my life down myself willingly. Why? In order to save you and me. In order to save souls. Jesus was willing to give up his life on the cross so that he can pay the price for our purchase, for our redemption. So what is most important to the Father? Souls. What is most important to the Son? Souls. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Turn to Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was present in redemption, in salvation. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, not only the Father, not only the Son, I want to be part of redemption so that I can be a part of bringing the treasure of heaven to heaven. So let me be a part of redemption. Let me go to hell and be the power that raises Christ up. From the dead. The resurrection power. Let me be the one that is involved in touching the hearts of the people. To convict them of their sins. And that is why the Holy Spirit's ministry. John chapter 16. Verse 8. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convict the hearts of men. About sin. To convict you of sin. Before you came to Christ. Christ. To convict you that you are a sinner, that you are lost. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, because He is willing to bring the treasure to heaven, is still here on the earth, working in the hearts of people who hear the gospel in order to bring them to the Father. Not only that, the Holy Spirit is willing to anoint you with His gifts and His anointings so that you can be used to bring souls into the kingdom. So the Holy Spirit is also actively involved in hunting for souls. Well, let's look at another point, the fourth point. Angels. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse 7. What about angels in heaven? I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Look at verse 10. I say to you, there is joy. Everyone say joy. In the presence of the angels of God. See, in the presence of God, there is joy. How many of you believe God's presence is here today? Can you smile then? Don't be so sad. Don't give me your long, gloomy face. Come on, smile. Smile at one another. Amen. In the presence of the angels, there is joy. There is rejoicing. Over one sinner who repents. See, when Mahindra Singh Dhoni hit that 6, 2012, and India won the World Cup, a billion souls rejoiced and we started bursting crackers. But do you know in heaven, not a single angel rejoiced when India won the World Cup. They don't care. When NDPP won the elections last year, Elections in Nagaland. Um, So many people rejoice, burst crackers, right? I'm sure some of you rejoiced. Some of your uncles may have won. In heaven, no angels rejoiced. The only event on the earth that causes a reaction in heaven is souls being saved. Miss Universe, angels don't care. Olympic gold medal, angels don't care. Heaven is sleeping. But the moment somebody in Portland accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, the moment somebody says, Jesus, I invite you into my life, angels are rejoicing. Why? Because that is more important than all the other things that happen on the earth. What is important for you is shown in what you are rejoicing about. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Luke chapter 10 verse 20. Not only angels, but what does Jesus say about us? Luke 10 verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be rejoicing that you are anointed. Oh, you are filled with the Spirit. You speak in tongues. Oh, demons flee. People get healed when you lay hands. That's fine. That's wonderful. Hey, but rejoice that you have salvation. That is more important. Rejoice in your salvation. You see, sometimes believers, when they experience a lot of grace in their life, they begin to feel proud that God is blessing them more than other believers. I must have done something right. No. It's the grace of God. Never be proud of your race, Charles Spurgeon said. Never be proud of your face. And also never be proud of your grace. God's grace on your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Rejoice in salvation. That your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When is the last time you thanked God because you were saved? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, not only this, but God gives us a message called the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So the Father, the Son, the Spirit, angels, us, not only that, God gives a message to the church. Only one message. It's the gospel. It's from heaven. It's about Jesus Christ. And God says, go and preach this gospel. Why? The purpose of the gospel is souls. So that people will believe in Jesus and accept him and come into the kingdom. So God gives us the gospel for the end purpose of souls. Not just to have preaching, not just to have gospel meetings, but for souls to be saved. Hallelujah. Not only that, you are here on the earth. With a purpose. When you got born again, you did not die and go to heaven. Because there is a more important purpose for you here on the earth. And your purpose is that by your gifts, your time, your talent, your treasure, your resources, your influence, you will impact the world and bring people to the knowledge of God. That's the only reason why you are here. That's the only reason why You are kept on the earth with a purpose and a mission from God. The church, why does the church exist? The church exists for the purpose of bringing souls into the kingdom. Everything that we do, missions, education, medical camps, hospitals, whatever missions the church may do, whether it is charity, whether it is feeding the poor, all of that is wonderful, but the end result must always be souls. What use is our building if it does not bring souls into the kingdom? What use is churches building schools and hospitals if ultimately it doesn't lead to souls coming to the kingdom? Hallelujah. All missions, including books, including praise and worship, including songs, every Christian event, the ultimate result should always be souls not the event in itself. There's always the purpose for souls that we must keep in mind. Hallelujah. You see, what is considered treasure on the earth is not treasure in heaven. Gold, precious stones, in heavens those are building materials. The roads are paved with gold in heaven. And here we fight for gold so much. What is treasure in heaven, many times it's not considered treasure for the people of the earth. So you have this tension as a Christian. How should I live? Because on one hand, I'm to live on the earth. But on the other hand, I'm also to live for eternity for God. How am I to make my decisions? You see, it's all about the wisdom of God and how we live with our focus and our heart in the right place. The Bible says, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, what does it mean? It means this. What you consider valuable reveals your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. What you consider valuable reveals your heart. Is your heart for God? Or is your heart for the things of the world? It is revealed by what you consider your treasure. What is your treasure? What is your priority? Where is your focus? What are you living for? Are you living for the temporal things of the world? Or are you living for eternal treasure? Amen. Look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Here we see three parables. And in these three parables, we see the heart of God for souls. These three parables also reveal to us the ministry of the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Heavenly Father. The Trinity's heart for souls. All right? All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him to hear Him. So all the sinners came near to Jesus and it scandalized the holy religious people. The Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man fellowships with the worst people in town. With the sinners. The drunkards. The prostitutes. This man therefore cannot be holy. This man cannot be our Messiah. This man cannot be a man of God. They did not understand the heart of God. In what Jesus was doing. So in response, Jesus gives three parables to reveal the heart of the Trinity. And he says in the first parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Here we see the heart of the Son for souls. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is telling the so-called religious people you are not understanding the heart of God the heart of God is not just about religion the heart of God is not just about a Christian organization the heart of God is not about culture and rules and and all the formality that we try to keep about religion the heart of God is souls souls And if he should break the cultural norms of that time and go and reach out to the unloved, unaccepted, and bring them to the kingdom of God, that is more important to God than the traditions. Amen. See, here Jesus is saying that even if there was only one person that needs to be saved, he would have still be willing to die on the cross. See, the greatest missionary journey was not from England to India, William Carey. It was not the clerks from America to Nagaland. The greatest missionary journey was Jesus to earth. When he was willing to leave all the glories and the divinity and the power and all the splendor of heaven and come to earth as a man. So that he can find the lost sheep, souls. And you were one of those. I don't know. There may be us lost sheep here today also. Hallelujah! Not everyone in church is a sheep. Sometimes goats also stray in. Sometimes wolves also come into the church. All right. Every single soul is valuable to God. Jesus would have sacrificed even if it was just for one person. Amen. See, here, what we are seeing is this. Heaven is looking for you. See, when I come and tell you, hey, did you know the chief minister is looking for you? Immediately, you will feel very important. You start feeling a little bit important. Why? Because the CM is looking for you. But the truth is, he's not looking for you. (laughs) But better than the CM, the king of heaven is looking for you. He was always looking for you. Isn't that something that tells us how valuable we are? How valuable every single soul is? Amen. How valuable is that drunkard in Newmarket? How valuable is that drug addict who is there getting detoxed in the hospital? Society may consider them as trash, but Jesus considers them as the most valuable treasure. Amen. Hallelujah. What about the second parable? Verse 8. What what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The woman here is a type of the Holy Spirit. Because it reflects the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit here on the earth today in salvation is to shine the light of the gospel in our hearts so that we come to the realization that we are sinners and we accept Jesus as our Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit keeps doing even today. He is the silent preacher in salvation. Do you know that when I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now? How many of you are sensing the Word of God touching your heart this morning? That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. He is the silent preacher in the midst of every preaching. Hallelujah. If you understand that, you will respond to the Holy Spirit more and more and more. The Holy Spirit is looking for us. Looking for souls. Amen. See, we rejoice over things that are earthly, temporal. We got a new car, we rejoice. We get some good news about getting a new job, we rejoice. That's nothing wrong with it. God wants you to be blessed. But God wants us to understand priority. In heaven, souls are more important than your houses and your cars and your lands and if you are a son of God God wants you to have the same heart as him and learn to rejoice more over souls that are saved that means your priority should be for souls souls amen you see this is what we say husband and wives if you love me you will know what i like right woman Have you ever told your husband, how can you say you love me and you don't even know what's my favorite color? Right? So that's what we see in relationships. If you really like me, you will know my favorite ice cream flavor, you will know my favorite color, and you will know my favorite dish. So that the next time you buy something for me, don't buy what you like, buy what I like. Right? Many times we buy things for people, we buy what we like. Like when you cook food for me, pastor, please come and eat. And it is full of dhania. Because you like dhania so much, you put so much dhania there. But I don't eat dhania. So I'm like, oh, thank you very much. You liked it so much, you put your favorite condiments inside there. But I don't like it. See, if you really honor someone and love someone, you will take pains and time to find out what they like. So that you can give them what they like, right? Have you ever asked God what He likes? Most of the time it's about what I like in our prayer. See, God is not interested so much in the earthly things as much as He is in souls. What is God's number one interest? What does God like? What is the number one desire of His heart? It is souls. Souls. So if you want to bless the heart of God, work for souls. Do something to get soul saved. Amen. We think that, Lord, I went to church today. I know you're happy today because I went to church. That's what I used to think. (laughs) Hey, are you to church today? Is heaven rejoicing because you came to church today? It's a trick question, right? Yes, of course, God is happy when we obey. Amen. But obedience is in so many different places. And God wants us to obey in the area of winning souls for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is also looking for souls. What about the Father? The parable of the lost son, verse 11 onwards. You notice the prodigal son? He took his inheritance, spent it all in partying it, and then when he is completely in poverty, lost everything, he comes back to the father in embarrassment, in shame. But the father accepts him. And notice, the father does not even once mention, where is the money? Where is the inheritance? The father did not even mention that. The father just accepts him. Not only that, the Bible says the father would look every day to see when the, father, when the son is going to come back. In other words, even though the son left, the father was waiting every day for the son to come back. The father was looking every day for the son to come back. And the father sent the son to die. And the father sends the spirit to search for us. And the father is waiting for us to come back home. What does it mean? The father is always thinking about lost souls. Hallelujah. The father is always waiting Waiting, waiting and waiting and longing for people to come back to Him. So here we see the work of the Trinity in salvation. The grace of Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. The love of the Father to send the Son for us. And the communion of the Spirit. The fellowship of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit to draw sinners to Christ and to the Father. See, the Trinity is actively involved in souls. Angels are dispatched for the purpose of winning souls. Heaven rejoices over souls. The question is, what about the church? Because we are called to represent the heart of God. Can you say amen? We are called to represent the Trinity on the earth. Which means this. The number one business for the church must be souls. Which also means this. The number one business for you as a Christian must be souls. The moment a church has lost its passion for souls that church has lost its heart for God. The moment the believer has lost his passion for souls, that believer has lost his heart for God. As simple as that. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the villages and cities teaching in the synagogues. Jesus was not satisfied in just preaching in one place. Pastor Sean is not satisfied in preaching only in Kohima. <laughs> all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus' heart is to go everywhere because he sees the multitude like sheep, weary and scattered. Weary and scattered. That's how God sees the world. God sees them as weary and scattered. God doesn't see them as these infidels. God doesn't see them as, oh, they are sinners. God doesn't see them as, oh, they are bad people. God doesn't see them as, oh, they are drug addicts. That is how we see them. Ebi fundamentalists, terrorists. God doesn't see the world as that. God sees the world as weary and scattered. Why? Because they have no sheep, no shepherd. You see, there is a reason why people do the things they do. It's because they have not met their shepherd yet. Sometimes we may accuse them for their behavior. We may accuse them for, uh, for, for their, you know, their their sins and their lifestyle because it hurts people. And we may develop some anger and animosity towards those people but heaven always sees them with compassion because heaven understands they are like that because they have not met the shepherd yet. People are depressed because they have not met the shepherd yet. People are sinning because they have not met God yet. People are doing all those crimes and murders because they have not met God yet. People are lying and cheating because they have not met their shepherd yet. Hallelujah. God wants us to see the world like He does. As sheep having no shepherd. Weary and scattered. Verse 37. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. see, because the church has not preached the gospel yet, we can also say the world is the way it is. People aren't like that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, Jesus still sees the world as sheep having no shepherd. And even today, He's moved with compassion for them. Hallelujah. See, heaven's number one priority is soul's souls. But here we see a problem. It's a problem that Jesus has. He says the harvest is plentiful. That means there are so many people to be saved, but the laborers are few. Laborers. He didn't say pastors are few. He didn't say theologians are few. He said laborers. Laborers. That means every Christian must become a laborer. If that was a problem during Jesus' time, it is still a problem today. When you have 7 billion plus people on the earth and we have only about 2 million, 2 billion Christians. And out of those 2 billion, many are not born again. Then surely there is a problem. Because the heart and the desire of the Father to see billions and billions in heaven is not yet being fulfilled. As long as there is somebody not saved on the earth, this is a problem. Amen. Hallelujah. So God wants us to do something about it. That's why He told His disciples, therefore, pray. See, God wants us to come into His problem and solve His problem. That's what a mature son does. You know, God doesn't want you to be the problem all the time. You know, most of us are like always a problem to God. Don't get condemned, all right? I'm not judging you anything, but we have to grow out of this age where we are always a problem to our fathers. Where we must become the solution to our fathers. We must become the solution to the church, not the problem. Are you with me? Become a solution to the government, not the problem. See. Jesus is inviting the church, hey, can you help me with this problem? The father's inviting, me. can you help me? How? Therefore, pray. The answer is here. It begins with number one, praying. Pray. How can I help the father solve this problem? Number one, this is all of us, our response. We must pray for souls. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, pray. Hallelujah. Let me give you a secret to grow in favor with God. How many of you want more favor from God? Right? Very simple. Solve God's problems. When you solve God's problems, God will release more resource, more blessing, more wisdom in your life. How do I solve God's problem? Well, there is a widow somewhere in Kohima in a colony who is all alone, who is heartbroken, and she's been praying to God that God will provide for her and for her children and God will minister to her. That's a problem. The other problem is this. God's not going to come himself and do it. Jesus is not going to come and do it. God wants to send someone from Faith Harvest Church. Pastor, you go. I'm not going to go. Okay, Pastor, send Pastor Avi. No, we won't go. We will send you. God wants to send you. We can't go everywhere. We can't do everything. See, if you are willing to solve God's problems, God will begin to solve your problems also. More favor when you learn to solve God's problems. Amen. So number one, pray. Pray. Pray that the Lord will send laborers into His harvest. It is God's will for souls to be saved. But in the wisdom of God, God also responds to the prayers of the church for the saving of souls. That is how God works on the earth. God doesn't just work sovereignly all the time. If souls could be saved by the sovereign act of God. Every human being would be saved by now. We would all be in heaven rejoicing. Do you know that God is not always sovereign? He needs you. He needs the mouth of the church. He needs us to go and preach the gospel because if He don't go, He does not go. We have this privilege to partner with God Almighty. Don't be passive thinking, if it is God's will, He will do it. He's sovereign. No. Yes, He is sovereign, but He has chosen to partner with humanity. He asks us first to pray. Amen. See, God's heart is the gospel is preached to all the ends of the earth and then the end will come. The gospel to be preached in all the earth. Matthew 24 verse 14. Look at that. God's heart is for the gospel to be preached in all the uttermost parts of the earth and then the end will come, right? So what is our target? Our target is the gospel to be preached. Our target is not the end. Church, many of us are so consumed with end-time prophecies and the end and Lucifer and Antichrist. We're just thinking, oh, that's the end. The end is coming. Listen, God wants us to focus on the gospel. Church, be focused on the gospel, not the end times. Be focused on the gospel because God says, after the gospel is preached, the end will come. But we are focused on the end. Because we are focused on the wrong things. It's like going to the last episode of the drama. Because you just want to see the end. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The field of God is the world. The harvest is in the whole world. Have you ever seen a farmer who owns 100 acres but he works only on one acre? No. A farmer works the entire farm. He doesn't work only on one small piece. Nagaland is just a small piece of God's farm. Kohima is just a small piece of God's farm. But if our prayers, our heart, our money is only for Nagas, only for Nagaland, only for our tribes, is because our heart is too small, our eyes are too small. And we don't see the entire field of God. We are comfortable. Nagaland is a Christian state. Nagaland is not the farm. Nagaland is a small piece of the farm. Amen. God wants us as a church to embrace the nations. Embrace Assam. Embrace Burma. Embrace Andhra Pradesh. Embrace China in our prayer. You don't have to go. Those who are called to go will go. But you can go in prayer. Do you know that there is no distance in the Spirit? There's no distance in the Spirit. Last Sunday, somebody got healed. I think it was Wednesday or Sunday service of pain in their eyes, infection when I just declared it online. There's no distance in the Spirit. That means you can pray and somebody in China will get saved. You can pray here and people in Burma will get saved. And your prayers will bring souls into the kingdom. See, God wants us to evangelize the world, every church, and it begins with prayer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many of you have heard of Charles Finney? Charles Finney was a mighty revivalist, used mightily by God to win thousands of souls in America during the revival. In the early 1900s. But the great measure of his success was because of one man called Father Nash. Father Nash, none of you have heard of him. Is because he was not a popular speaker. Father Nash was a prayer man. And every time before Charles Finney would have his revival crusades, he would go two weeks ahead of time. He would go a month ahead of time. He would go a few days ahead of time. He would book a hotel room, shut himself up for three or four days and pray. That's it. He would pray for souls. He would just pray for souls. He would just pray for souls. And he prayed so fervently that even the people testified. In fact, the lady who owned the hotel said this. Though he prayed in private, yet he often prayed with such fervency that everyone became aware there's someone in this room that is praying. I mean, someone in this hotel that is praying. It was impossible for him to pray in secret. Because he was so loud, he would deeply groan for souls. And there were times he would go into the woods to pray. So there was a time that there was a revival that was taking place in a certain place where the majority of the town gave the life to the Lord. And in that revival, Father Nash went ahead and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then God released the souls. See, many times you just think the preacher preaches souls come. No, it's because someone was praying. Somebody was praying. You can be doing that. You can have a part in the reward. Hallelujah. So it is said of him, Nash rose very early, went into the forest to pray. And when he was praying, a mile away, there was an unsaved man living And it was in the forest, so that noise traveled. So he prayed so loudly and so passionately that man heard him pray and he could not find relief until he gave his life to Christ. See, God needs your prayers for souls to be saved. Kohima needs your prayers. Not just polite prayers, vehement prayers, violent prayers. Undignified prayers. Prayers where your nose is running, your eyes are running, your hands are shaking. That kind of prayer. Not cute little prayers. Amen. John Nelson Hyde came as a missionary to India in Punjab from 1865 to 1912 from America. He was known as the apostle of prayer. He was deaf in one ear. So he could not connect in the language of the people. So he decided to go into the Word. And as he studied the Word, he realized the importance of prayer for souls. And so he devoted his life for prayer where he would go even for days fasting and praying without eating for souls to be saved in India. That was what he did. So as a result, he began to pray and said, Lord, give me souls or I die. Give me souls or I die. He would spend the entire night in the bare floor in prayer. Interceding for the lost in India. And praying that every day at least one soul will come to the Lord. Every day two souls. And he increased it. Every day four souls would come to the Lord. And as he kept on praying and praying and praying. In their denomination, it was a the Presbyterian. They began to see souls being added every day into his ministry. Into the church. There was a time that if you visited him in revival conferences, you would find his bed perfectly made because he did not sleep the night, but spent the entire night groaning for souls, interceding for souls. See, God doesn't just want you to just feel like you have done your part by saying a five-minute prayer. There are so many different levels of prayer. And if you are willing to give your whole heart and mind and soul to prayer and allow God to take you deeper and deeper, God can use you to even win an entire nation. Amen. And the reward is yours in heaven. You see, many times we look at Christianity just the pulpit and we think that everything happens on the pulpit so we want to be on the pulpit. So we put all the importance on the pulpit. Let me tell you, prayer is more important Praying for souls. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, John Hyde prayed so much that at the age of 45, he was taken to the doctor because he was sick. And they found out that his heart has shifted from the left to the right. Because he prayed so fervently and so violently for souls. And it was because of Him that people from Calcutta, Mumbai, other cities began to call to Him for intercession for souls because they needed His prayer. Souls are released as we pray. Hallelujah. What's the second thing that we can do? We can give. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. First thing, we pray. Secondly, we must give. Look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Paul is talking about money. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. You sent money for my needs to be met. What was Paul doing? Paul was not having a holiday. Paul was preaching the gospel in all the different cities. And he says, no church supported me in the preaching of the gospel. But only you, the church in Macedonia. You sent aid to me, the church at Philippi. You sent money for me. He's talking about giving and receiving. Giving and receiving from God. We give to God, we receive from Him. Giving and receiving. That's the word the Holy Spirit uses. When you give, you receive from God. Can you say amen? Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm not interested in your money, but I want your money. Why? Because there is a blessing that will come in your account. God will put fruit in your account. God will bless you because you give. That's what Paul is saying. There should be no apology made by the church to tell the people, give. Because when you give, God will bless you. But you got to believe it. You act on it. You see, there are so many different levels of giving. You give for souls, God will bless you. You give for, you give a tithe to the church, God will bless you. You give to men of God, you give to your pastors, God will bless you. The church should never apologize for teaching the sheep to give. If you don't want to give, it's up to you. But let me tell you this. Paul himself says, I seek the fruit that comes to your account. There is a fruit that will come into your account from God when you give. So stop complaining, church, about the church is asking so much to give, give. Give in the right places. Don't give in the wrong places. Be led by the wisdom of God. Don't be forced to give where you don't sense the leading of the Lord to give. Don't be compelled by tribe issues, village issues, clan issues. Someone I don't give in those places because I'm not led by the Lord. Why do people in Nagaland complain? Because you don't have the guts to tell your village, I'm not going to give because I don't have the grace to give anymore in this area. You don't have the guts to tell your clan that I don't want to give here. And you are led by the Lord to give to the other places. But because you have given to the, all the other places, you are complaining in your heart. And so you end up not giving to the place God wants you to give. Sometimes you just got to say, I will do what God says, not what tradition says, what tribe says, what culture says, what men say. Then you'll be free to give liberally where God leads you to without complaining. Amen. I would never allow my account to be deducted 10% times without my will. Like many tribes do when they're building a church. I would never allow that. Do I not want to give? I want to give, But it must be given willingly. Not people coming to the source and deducting it. And saying in the name of community. God always says give willingly, not grudgingly. Because when they do that, everyone complains. But no one says anything. Amen. Why am I on this? Anyway, verse 18. Indeed, I have all abound and I am full, having received from apropos the the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma you're giving. Today, let's create sweet-smelling aroma in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God, verse 19, shall supply all your need, according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need. We only quote verse 19. Because we get happy in verse 19. But verse 19 is connected to verse 18 and 17 and 16 and 15. Without verse 16, there is no verse 19. Without studying, there's no good result. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. So what is God saying here? He's saying, the people who partnered with paul in the preaching of the gospel they partook of paul's blessing they partook of the grace upon his life that's what we call the power of partnership 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 means you share the profits you partner in a business, whatever money comes, you share with your partner. So, when you partner with the missions of Faith Harvest Church, whatever fruit that they bounce your accounts, souls are saved in that group. souls are saved in Assam. You have never gone to Assam to preach, you have never gone to Burma to preach, and yet, in the end, when God is telling up the numbers and the end is going to give rewards for souls, Ah, your name will be there. Your name will be there. Because you are a partner in the missions of this church. Now you may feel forgotten by people. We also forget to thank everyone because we're only human. But angels are looking. How much did you give? Where is your giving going? How many souls are added to your account? What reward will come to you? God knows. When you prayed and because you prayed God touched the heart of someone they came to church they got saved. God knows. Hallelujah. Amen. The greatest investment you can ever make is the saving of souls. Why? Because this treasure cannot be destroyed by rust or moth. Cars, they get condemned in 10 years or so. Houses decay. Jewelry gets lost. All right? Or the value goes down. But souls, the value never goes down because. It cannot be destroyed. In fact, you can take this treasure with you to heaven. Amen. You can take it with you to heaven. You can't take gold to heaven, but you can invest the gold into the mission and somebody gets saved, Whoo! you're taking that person with you to heaven. And when you get to heaven, you'll find strangers, people looking like, you know, Like Andhra people, people looking like Assamese people, people looking like Nepali people, people looking like Burmese people that come and shake your hand. Oh, thank you so much. And you're like, who are you? And they will tell you, oh, because you prayed, I got my life saved. Oh, because you gave, I gave my life to the Lord because you gave money. Somebody came and preached. Amen. See, what is considered valuable on the earth is not valuable in heaven. What is valuable in heaven... It's not considered valuable on the earth. How should we live? We should live our lives with and focus on eternity. Do not set your eyes on things of the earth which are temporary, which are passing away. But set your eyes on things that are eternal. That's what Paul says. Set your eyes, your focus on eternal things. What are eternal things? Eternal treasure. What is that? Souls. Souls are not the only thing. Your heart for God, your obedience, your love for the Word of God. Yes, but souls is what we are talking about today. Hallelujah. You see, partnership connects you to the anointing. Partnership connects you to the blessing. My wife and I made a decision that we will give $5,000 a month for supporting a pastor in Myanmar this year. We are not willing to ask the church to give if we were not willing to sacrifice ourselves first. So I texted her, February 5th, we will give 5000 a month for, souls, for missions in Myanmar. We made a pledge. From that moment, I began to see God move in a different way in just blessing me and acknowledging this act of faith. Because after that, the giving that we received in the ministry is different. It's like we were receiving treasures. Like just that weekend, somebody gave me a gold chain and says, I want to sew this to you. So gold chain is something that is precious. Well, two weeks after that, I was in Bangalore and after the offering was done, somebody came up and told me, I want to give you these gold earrings that my wife has. Not gold. Gold and diamond earrings together. Worth quite a lot, you know. So he blessed me with that. So now, gold chain, diamond earring. I'm wondering. Those are Things that are considered a treasure on the earth. I just feel a lot saying, yesterday as I was preparing, when you are willing to give your treasures for my treasures, I will also release the treasures of the earth into your hands. I've never been crazy for gold or for diamonds. Never been. But it's amazing that, you know, the Lord is just releasing this kind of offerings to me. I'm wondering what will be next. <laughs> but there's a message here. It's like God is saying, you know, focus on the things that are valuable and treasurable for the kingdom. Amen. So we made that commitment. We have seen our income grow. Why? Because when you are willing to be a distributor for souls, God will also release more resources into your hands. It's all about stewardship. If you are faithful with little, God gives you more. God does not give you more for you to hoard for yourself. God gives you more so that you can give more. When you give more, God will give you more so that you can give more and more and more and more. See, the reason God prospers you, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, the Bible says, God prospers you in order to establish the covenant. God gives you the power to get wealth in order to establish His covenant. His covenant is the gospel. The message of Jesus dying on the cross, shedding His blood as an eternal blood covenant between man and God. So God gives you the ability to get wealth. That means everything He has blessed you. Talent, time, resources, energy. is so that you can use it And you can get resources, and you can use it to establish God's covenant, and then God gives you more. And after you understand this, you see God will give you more wisdom, more grace, more abilities. But many of us we use the talents at time for ourselves, and that's where it begins to corrupt. You begin to lose it. It's like there's a moth that comes in and steals that wisdom. There's a moth that comes in and steals a resource away from me because instead of using it for God's purposes, for the glory of God, we use it for ourselves. Hallelujah. And the third thing is this. You can go. Matthew 28, right? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore, go. God is not saying pastors go, evangelists go. God is saying to all his disciples, go. How many of you are disciples? God is saying go. It's a commission to every believer. You can pray, you can give, and then you can go. And you don't have to go to the mission field. Just go to your office, go to your neighborhood, go to your relatives, And share. Bring them to the knowledge of Christ. It may be difficult at times. You're not used to it. But Jesus promised, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we take the gospel, we have a heart for the gospel. We want to be used for the gospel. God's promise is this, I'm with you. Jesus' promise is this, I'm with you. I'm with you. There is a reward for those who give, pray, and go for souls to be saved. It's called the crown of rejoicing. It's called the joy of the Father. It's called the satisfaction in the hearts that we have obeyed. It's called the gratitude of those that will believe because of us. There's a reward in heaven. Hallelujah. We'll close with this scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11, verse 30. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. How many want to be wise? Amen? You can get a PhD and get some wisdom, but in the eyes of God, somebody who wins souls, prays for souls, gives for souls, is wiser. Wise. Why? Because that's the true treasure of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's the true treasure that heaven is looking for. And if I am smart and I want heaven to back me, and I want heaven's protection, heaven's grace upon me, then I will give my life for souls. Because I'm not living for this 80 years, 90 years. I'm living for eternity. Amen. For eternity. You see, the ones who save souls are not only the ones who preach, like Billy Graham. Millions of people have come to the knowledge of God because of him. But did you know that Billy Graham gave his life to the Lord when he was 16 years old in a small town in Kentucky when an unknown preacher called Mordecai, Mordecai Ham came and preached. How many of you have heard of Mordecai Ham? None of us. But do you know that in heaven, they know him? Because he got Billy Graham saved. And then Billy Graham got millions of people saved. So I'm sure there is an account In Mordecai Ham's spiritual account, that the billions of souls of Billy Graham also added to him because he got him saved. So you may not be a preacher all the time, but you can get somebody saved. That person can go and win thousands of souls. And in heaven's economy, both of you have a part in that. So your giving can get somebody saved. Your prayer can get somebody saved. Your sharing. Oh, but pastor, uh, you can share the live stream. Somebody may get saved. Share the YouTube video. Somebody may get saved. Share the book. Amen. Share a tract. So many preachers have given their lives to the Lord because they read a tract. In heaven's economy, the person who wrote the tract is going to get his reward.
1: If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.fateharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 7005684533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.